0: Christmas has arrived at Navy Professional, from hand balms to candles in their signature scent. A wide range of retail products including beautifully packaged soaps and the long-awaited Charlotte case. Don't wait around, these new products are selling out fast.
1: This week we have added Dorothy, a super precise detailing and dotting tool to our Navy Tool family. We are eager to create some nail designs with her. P.S. There may be something special launching soon. Keep a close watch on the Navy website on Black Friday. You can use our code PRETTY10 for 10% discount and for more information on Rebecca, the owner of Navy Pro Tools, you can listen to Series 1, Episode 2 of the Beauty Edit Podcast.
0: to the Beauty Edit Podcast, a podcast solely dedicated to the nail and beauty industry. Do you struggle when it comes to accounting and bookkeeping for your beauty business? Well there's no need to worry as today we are joined by Rhea Jane Lincoln, the owner of Rhea Jane Accountancy. Rhea is not only a
1: beauty professional herself but is a fully qualified accountant who now specialises in personal taxation for beauty professionals. We have so many unanswered questions and personally we find accounting a bit of a minefield. It is so important now more than ever that as beauty professionals we stay on top of our cash flow and finances. Hopefully, Ria can answer a whole range of questions such as, "Do I need a business bank account?" and "What is the VAT threshold?" to allow us to all feel more at ease and clear-headed when it comes to our accounts.
0: Hi, Ria. Hi, Shelby. Hi. You all right?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Is Amanda there as well?
0: I'm here. <laughs> yes, it was me. Oh my <laughs> People say we sound very alike as well. Which <laughs> I don't think we do, but um it's really difficult when you can't see anybody, isn't <laughs> it? It in
2: it its But no, nice to speak to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to record this episode with us. Um we're so pleased and honoured that you've agreed, you know, to spare up some of your time to just give our listeners a little bit of an insight um into Accounting basically. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, thanks for having me on as well. And it's it is a really important part of business. Um, and I do have the fun job of trying to make it interesting. So I hope I hope that does happen today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you find it interesting then? Do you on a day-to-day business like day-to-day sort of basis, do you enjoy doing this?
2: Yeah, I love accounts, I love tax, I love bookkeeping. It sounds so boring. Um, but I think I just love making things match. Um, and balance balancing things and then helping people as well so it is really it's a really really good job to have where you know in the beauty industry you can see the impact that you have on your on your clients your customers because they feel better after they've had their treatment Um, and it's the same when I speak to people and whether it's new clients or people that I've been working with for the last year or so and just hearing you know their stresses kind of go away towards the end of a phone call or a meeting or, or sometimes it might be quite a few calls that we have but it is something that I really really enjoy
1: yeah accounts is stressful like from our side of things (laughs) oh
0: it's like the one job that I absolutely hate doing I mean how many of our listeners now are listening to this and probably think yep I leave it right until the day before and (laughs) I just I have been there so many times yeah
2: Um, I think as well it's the anxiety when you get a brown envelope through the door I don't know yeah. if that's something that you can relate to but yeah. <laughs> sometimes just having that kind of stress taken away from you and the brown envelopes will come to sort of my office or they still come to your door but you can take a picture and send it across you know <laughs> yeah, that's that on. On.
1: <laughs> so before we really get going then with our questions um would you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction to yourself and your business please
2: yeah sure so I've got a digital accountancy practice and I'm in my second year of business at the moment so it is fairly new um, but prior to that I worked for a large corporate company one of the top four accountancy firms called Deloitte so I was there for just under 10 years um, it's quite interesting how I, I fell into accountancy um, I had some time I was living in a refuge And during that time, I was given the opportunity to retrain um, and, you know, I started over in a new town and myself and my son, and I decided to go down the accountancy um, route and started my studies at college. So there's a bit of a backstory. And then I started working at Deloitte. Then I started to train in beauty because I found myself at a crossroads. And there was various things going on at home. My youngest son was quite poorly and I'd had, I think it was around three months of work due to my mental health. And I decided I wanted to start making a change. So that's how I kind of stepped into beauty. But then whilst I was training in beauty, I had quite a lot of conversations, you know, on the forums, um, in my courses. As soon as I introduced myself as an accountant, everyone you know, <laughs> had the common question, how do we set up, what expenses and, and all of that. So I thought this would be the perfect sort of role for me. So and it works around my family as well. I've got three boys. Um, So yeah, they're clearly missing. Yeah, they do. (laughs) They really do. They're at different. I've got a five-year-old, eleven-year-old, and a fifteen-year-old now as well. So they're all at different stages. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh they're probably harder than the accounting <laughs> oh,
2: yeah this is my um it's like my better way when people say oh do you love working why do you work so much I'm like this is the only time I get peace <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> that's really uh interesting to hear your story then as it's like almost you've gone on a journey which has then incorporated the two loves really
2: yeah definitely and it really I literally love my job. I love getting up and I, knowing that I'm working, you know, in accounts, but I still get my beauty fix. So I did do some treatments, um lashes and nails. I spent some time working in a salon, but I don't have time. Like my ideal world dream would be to have one day beauty and the rest accounting because I do love the treatment side of it, but I just don't have the time now. The practice has taken off, but I still get my beauty fix because all my clients are in the beauty industry. Yeah.
1: yeah, I guess you're at such a big advantage though, because I know, like, we'll get on to this, I'm sure. But me and Mum have an accountant that lives in our area, and she's absolutely lovely, really nice lady. And she knows the stuff, and I trust her a thousand percent. But sometimes it's so difficult explaining the salon set up yeah to somebody who does not understand yeah yeah like when I try and explain she'll be like well what's this for and I'm like well that's our booking system and she's like so how does that work and it's so difficult to get things mm. across to somebody who doesn't understand the beauty industry
2: yeah and that's something I hear quite a lot when when I meet new people and new clients and it does it does help me in my job as well in my day to day because all of my clients although they're different sizes they've got different setups you know whether they're working at home whether they've got a salon with 10 staff or whether they're mobile it's the little things like you just mentioned there about picking up the booking system and knowing that the sales may be higher than what's coming through the bank because of cash transactions and you know the the other things that I can kind of help clients with on timing of when to put cash into the account so that it ties in with the, the bookkeeping and everything, but yeah, it does definitely give me an an advantage. And that's one of the sort of bonuses of having a niche accountancy practice because you really get to know your client and then learn from every client as well. So, you know, every client is getting a better version of you each time you speak to them because you've learned from the call before and you might see something that's happening in a salon, you know, at the other end of the country, that another salon owner may just be going through now and doesn't know how to deal with it but it kind of it really really helps there on the advisory side as well because it isn't just there's more to accounting than just the bookkeeping as well is you know there's an element of business advice and support as well
0: yeah it is a little bit of a mind field I think (laughs) accounting and even if it's just making sure you're keeping the correct records you know in Instead of just panicking like when the deadline hits and you like just throw in this just carry a bag full of receipts to your yeah.
2: accountant. <laughs> it is good just to be informed and that's what your accountant can do. They can help you with deadlines. And then if there is anyone who who's already got an accountant, it's always worth having a conversation to see if they can help you with processes as well, because it's the processes that will make that end of year sort of tax filing a lot easier and, and stress-free as well
0: yeah because there is a level of anxiety that comes with it as well (laughs) and panic um all my receipts are kept in a drawer
2: no yeah it's terrible
1: (laughs) and this drawer is just rammed with receipts and invoices etc and then I have to sit and I have to pull the drawer out of the like unit unit (laughs) and I just sit there and then I go through and I organize them into months and then I oh it's just it is a nightmare i'm not good with my accounts no. they're always done on time don't get me wrong and they're no. always done correctly but i do things the hard way
2: yeah and yeah. the time it takes to do that as well definitely yeah. I think after after this podcast you definitely need to look at receipt bank or something similar um but you just what's receipt bank yeah so <laughs> it's an app that i use with all my clients so it's something that they get um you can sign up for it independently and you pay a monthly fee for it. But it's something that I package in for all my clients because it makes the process a lot easier. And it's essentially just an app where you take a photograph of your receipt or if you've got email receipts, because a lot of purchases are made online now, you can forward that email to your receipt bank and it will link in with your bookkeeping software. It will give you a report that you can literally download for your accountant at the end of the year or monthly if that's how you do it. And I, I guess the hardest thing is using one of these apps is getting into the habit of just snapping as you go. So as soon as you buy yeah. something, take a picture of it in your app and throw it away. The receipt, you don't now, need to keep
0: it. I'd just like to throw in there that I am not like Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I might leave it to the last minute to give my accounts to the accountant, but I am very organized. As in, <laughs> Like I have a like a binder, and any paper receipts get put in as soon as like the same day. Yeah, it's all in month order, and like I I do that with my business bank account. I can just take a picture, yeah. um, Just take a picture, and it just attaches it to the transaction in my business account. So I think I don't know where Shelby gets it from (laughs) because it's from me. That's really good, and I think it's really.
2: receipts are the one thing they're the easiest thing to stay on top of and they're almost you know one of the important things as well because the more receipts that you're keeping the more tax relief that you're you're going to get so it saves you money on tax you know you don't really want to lose any receipts throughout the year even if it's a receipt for something that's 20 pounds and you may think oh that's that's not a lot in the grand scheme of it but across the year you know faded receipts or receipts that you've forgot to store or save and yeah it all adds up so that's that's one of the first things that I always say to business owners is to start working on your processes and and one of those steps could be organizing how you keep your receipts um, and keep track of them as well
0: yeah would you say then to keep them digitally is the better option you know in in today's modern world
2: I think so. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It is. I guess even if you are keeping the paper copies, um, and then you do like a batch. I don't know after three months or something. I think storing them online on the cloud is a lot easier, so that you don't have to worry about faded receipts and losing them because you have to keep your records for five years for a sole trader, six years for a limited company. So that's a lot of bags of receipts. Um, that you need to keep and then I guess the another challenge as well is if HMRC did ever get in touch and say they want to look into whichever year or whatever you know receipt and if you can't find it it just is such a headache it makes an investigation you know even more stress than it is just knowing that you're being investigated so it's, it's good to think about things like that as well having the data ready so that if HMRC do get in touch or any if you need it for any reason at all, you can literally click a button, pop in the name of whatever company it is or the amount if you know it. And then there you've got the copy of the receipt in front of you on the screen. Yeah,
0: It does make so much more sense. I'm just thinking now like my husband's got a limited company Mm -hmm. and I'm a sole trader so we've obviously got two lots of accounts and Corey yeah and my son's a barber so Mm -hmm. he's self-employed so we've got all these like binders with papers and receipts and we've like you've just said we've had to keep them for five six years and we've got boxes and boxes in the loft Mm -hmm. where we've just had to put them away and to be honest it's a pain, yeah. it's an absolute pain I just think, oh, can't I shred these yet yeah. you know like <laughs> in fact my accountant contacted me this week and said Amanda, um, these ones are now ready for the shredder, they'll be in next week's Andrex pack that you buy, he said yeah <laughs> I was like phew, at least that's that's one year gone but yeah, it's a bit of a can I say ball <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just it's just awful and if you can keep it much tidier and much more organized like you say Mm -hmm. it just it makes life so much easier doesn't it yeah and it
2: helps as well because you can review sort of your spend and and you know what you're spending most money on because it puts it all in a, a sort of spreadsheet that you can filter and analyze to suit you as well and to help you with the business so you know you can Highlight where you're spending too much money. Um, I can tell you that off the head yeah. glitter
1: and gel polish. <laughs>
2: but no, it's really, really good for sort of analysing the business and cash flow planning as well.
1: So, when we're talking about keeping your receipts, we're talking about keeping your receipts for your expenses. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's
1: correct. So, would you mind explaining what an expense is and what we can claim for? as an expense.
2: Yeah. And this I get asked this question every single week, all the time. Um, and sometimes I think if if you're needing to reach out to your accountant and ask, it's usually because you've done the research and everything's saying that it's not an allowable expense. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> so you're kind of just hanging on for that little bit of hope. But in all honesty, when you're thinking of expenses, you just need to think, is it wholly and exclusively? for the purpose of your trade. And that's the, the kind of phrase that HMRC use as well. So, you know, whereby where it's glitters and gel polishes, you definitely need to use that to do your trade and to, you know, complete the treatments and with advertising and things like that, your booking systems, you need that for your business. So they're all, you know, obviously allowable. Um, Where it gets a bit tricky is when it's things like clothing or vehicle expenses and things like that. That's where I'm seeing a lot of the the questions coming from. And even with like mobile phones. And you've got to think if there's any private use element of that expense, then that private use for a sole trader, because there's different rules for limited companies, um, that private use is disallowed. So you just then have to work out percentages. So it's a phone, you know, most sole traders will put their phone through 50-50. And I think with clothing as well, There's I'm always asked about clothing for the salon or footwear and things. But essentially the rules around clothing is it has to be um, either a uniform or safety wear. So if it isn't one of those, then it's very unlikely to qualify as an allowable expense so it is something that hmrc can pick up but if you've got say a hoodie um that you've bought in and, and you're wearing and it's got the logo the business logo on it then obviously that's nearer uniform than private yeah. clothes so it's just to to be careful on that and i think where where it gets harder for accountants to obviously give that advice as well is because a lot of people will then turn around and say well I don't know, so-and-so on Facebook said that I could claim this and my neighbour puts all the petrol through. And, you know, essentially people who are doing their own accounts are putting through what they want to put through. It doesn't mean that it's right. And even if they've got a way with putting certain things through, it doesn't mean that, you know, you will as well. So it's just to be really careful and just to make sure you're doing your accounts, you know, as, as best as you can and just really educating yourself on on the rules around expenses as well because it will save a lot of headache if hmrc do decide to do like a spot check and investigate because once they find one thing wrong obviously they'll you know they have to look through everything and you don't really want to open that kind of worm so it's best to just get it right (laughs) from the beginning
0: and I think if anybody's listening to this, they probably think, well, the likelihood of being investigated by HMRC is probably very, very slim, and it won't happen to me. Mm. But I actually worked with a girl who just got a telephone call from HMRC, um, and, and then before she knew it, and she was just a hairdresser, sole trader, and she was under investigation. I mean, everything was fine, but mm. it's really worrying and frightening, because for some reason, you feel extremely guilty that you've yeah. done something wrong. Um, and and it, they wanted to know how they wanted to look at a diary, how much was cash, how much went into the bank. Um, it, it were really, really sc- a scary time for her. Yeah, um, everything was fine, but I just wanted to pop that in. If anybody did think, oh, well, it won't happen, yeah, like mm-hmm. I can get away with it. Yeah, it does, and it would, and it's just random, and sometimes they might just take like, um. Like a sector, so it might just be the beauty sector that they might just concentrate on, or something like that. So, yeah, so it's always better to be safe than sorry, I think. Definitely,
2: and then there's penalties and things that can be charged as well that will apply if there's incorrect tax returns. So you just, I think, especially now, you don't want to risk having to pay out, you know, unnecessarily for penalties and things if it can be avoided. Um, yeah. And it's it's just better to to stay on top of it. I think as well with expenses, another one that I've, I'm seeing a lot of people missing is um, working from home expense. Some people don't realise that they can claim for that. Now, there are rules depending on how how you complete your tax return, but it is one that you should look into. Because I know a lot, a lot of um, people working in the industry do actually work from home. Um, and even those that are running their own businesses at the salon, they may still do some admin and things from home as well. So it's just really important to make sure that you are researching. Or even just, you know, there's so much help online. Gov.uk has got a list of all the allowable expense, um, expenses as well for sole traders. So the information is out there. So it's just to make sure that you're kind of getting everything in that you can claim for, which is one of the, the issues with submitting a tax return late. So I know a lot of people, if they're submitting December, January, they're just putting it through to get it done. And they're not necessarily yeah. even putting all their expenses through in the right way. Um, so then yeah. they're paying too much tax
0: yeah, that's a good point because we did have a home salon um but me and Shelby are still we work together, but we are both sole traders mm-hmm. um and our home salon was at my home um and I never thought about
1: i, didn't, I didn't realize there was
0: one um, I didn't even realize you could claim for. Is it for like your electricity or something like that, a percentage and things like that? Yeah,
2: it depends. There is a flat rate available as well. Um, So it makes it a bit easier to calculate. I guess if there's shared use of a room, the flat rate is, is beneficial. But if you've got a dedicated room, then the actual basis, so that's, you work that out based on the number of rooms and then you work out the proportion of your electricity and everything.
1: Can that still be used if it's a conversion? So, like for example, ours was a garage conversion. It had the electricity and everything that was running from the mains of the house. It should
2: all the business use, so whether that's the utility bills and everything, should still be able to appear in the in the accounts. The one thing though with working from home, I'm just thinking if you own the property, it can cause issues with capital gains tax when you later sell the property. So it's one of those things. Um, if you're you know you've got a dedicated space or conversion it's definitely worth getting advice you know on the best way to treat that in your accounts if you're using a room and it's got dual purpose so if I don't know if you're working from the living room or maybe you've got a room that your children used to study in or or something you know there's dual purpose in there and then the flat rates may be better But it's one of those questions that really depends on the individual. So it depends on their individual circumstances, if they own the property, if they've got a dedicated space, if it's a shared space. And there's quite a few different factors to think about when it comes to that.
1: Brilliant. Thank you. Um, And obviously, you've just mentioned about um, getting advice. Would you advise getting a good accountant or would you say that people can do it themselves?
2: I think I I love this question and it always (laughs) makes me smile um only because I love it because it when it comes from someone in the industry especially because I know what it's like when when in the industry when you know you've got people who can buy gel kits to do their nails at home and people can do their own waxing you know people can do their own eyebrows the list goes on um but It is always best to go with a professional, whether that's for your nails, your lashes, your waxing or your accounts. Um, I do think that you can do this yourself. You can do the bookkeeping yourself. But if you are going to attempt it, at least have that conversation with an accountant to help you set up your processes and to let you know when you may need to reach out for more support. So if the business starts to grow or if you want to change business structure or if you take on a staff member so i think definitely i think all business owners should be having a conversation with an accountant the level of service and the you know the the amount of support that you need will depend on the type of your business and the structure and levels of turnover as well because you know when you start hitting turnover of 85000 we have to start thinking about vat thresholds as well um that a lot of people in the industry don't really know about or haven't you know realized that the threshold is there and what they need to do when they hit it so
1: yeah
2: it is more than just the bookkeeping side of it there are other things to think about um you know so you don't necessarily have to have the accountant doing your monthly bookkeeping unless you want to save your own time i think for time savings and and stress it is it is advised um annual accounts Again, they can be done independently but by the business owner, but it's always worth, even if it's just for that first year or the first few years, just working with an accountant so that you know the the regular expenses for your business type. Yeah. And the- I
0: think I think Shelby, you were gonna attempt to do yours this year, <laughs> weren't you? But just putting this into like a little perspective. Shelby said she were gonna do hers herself online. He's... The reason being is because the accountant I was using at the
1: time was rubbish. So I just thought for what I'm paying him to do, I feel like I'm doing half the research myself anyway, and I'm telling him what he should be doing. So my that was my frustration. And I thought,
0: oh I'll just do it myself. But yeah. then you'd calculated yourself what you thought your tax was gonna be. Can you remember? No. <laughs> Anyway, Shelby can't remember, so <laughs> but we actually got a new accountant and she's amazing. Um but she did she actually ended up doing your accounts, didn't she? Yeah. And how much do you think she saved you from what you thought you were oh, gonna pay in tax? I can't
1: even remember how much my last one was anyway in the end. Even when I paid it, I can't actually remember. <laughs> it, it were thousands though
0: she saved you. Yeah.
1: Wasn't it? Yeah. She and even just in advice alone. Mm. i'm glad i paid the money to her for her to do it just purely based on the advice and knowing it was done correctly because when it came to me doing it i was just like looking at the screen i was like i don't click submit do you know i just i'm worried i've done it wrong i just
0: don't do it so yeah i mean pat's lovely i love pat and Um, she has she has chickens (laughs) i think what i was just trying to get across is shelby was going to do it herself and say it said a tax bill were going to be say for example I don't know Mm £5,000 and I think Shelby were thinking well I don't really want to pay for an accountant to -hmm. do them I can do them myself but then I think Pat's done them and maybe say it was £2,000 so Mm -hmm. they were a saving of £3,000 so to pay Pat and still gain what she'd gained in tax was money well spent yeah is what I'm trying to get at
2: Definitely. I do always say, I think the cost of not having an accountant is always a lot more than having a good accountant, 100%. And that's even with whether it's just discussions about allowable expenses, because if you think of the lifetime value of that saving, you'll be making on tax because of that one little expense that you didn't know about that you now know about. Um, And you could have paid maybe an hour for that telephone call, but that's something that's going to serve you. Throughout the rest of the business journey, and um, I also think as well when it comes to things like keeping eye on turnover and VAT thresholds, it's always worth having someone you know that can help you and guide you. What I've seen since I've started working in the industry is a lot of people will come to me and they don't even realize, or they they haven't been advised or told that they've hit the VAT threshold and the amount of penalties, and you know. it's not a a nice mess to have to deal with it's a it's one of the the hardest probably phone calls and conversations that I have to have is Mm. just breaking that to someone you know once I finally get to look at their accounts and and realize that uh, that threshold's been hit especially now with everything that's going on yeah it's just and then it's difficult as well because there's different types of accountants out there so a lot of people may already use the service of say a bookkeeper um but the bookkeeper might not necessarily have the skill and qualification to guide you on certain things around VAT um yeah. and they'll literally do the bookkeeping for you and not go any further and and that's absolutely fine um that's their their job that's their role but sometimes business owners will relax and think that because the bookkeeper hasn't flagged anything, everything's okay. But it may be that they're experienced, they're not experienced enough to flag, you know, or or make you aware or something that, that could help you.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that we always, do we struggle with it, Shelby, would you say, is the confusion between bank accounts should we have like a dedicated business bank account or can we just put it into our personal accounts as long as we know what money's what?
2: Okay I think so it is really important to know for sole traders you you don't have to have a business account so obviously with a limited company it's mandatory to have a separate account because the limited company is its own legal person Um, but for best practice is to have a separate account you know for your business transactions and for me it's so that you can keep an eye on the business as well and you know really see what's happening with the income money that's coming in and going out um and also to get you ready because if you're gonna then evolve and incorporate your company or as the business grows or if you're going to start employing staff members, so you've got to keep an eye on your business income a bit closer. It makes it so yeah. much easier if you've just got one account to look at. And it makes it so much easier if, you know, HMRC have got any questions or even just doing your own bookkeeping because there's less personal transactions that you've got to start moving. And, you know, yeah. and it will keep the cost of your bookkeeping down as well because it will keep the number of transactions that your bookkeepers having to do you know to a minimum instead of having to come back and ask questions and say is this personal what's this for um yeah it it just makes the whole process a lot a lot smoother and I think it is best practice to get into the habit of keeping it separate
1: bank accounts have obviously moved on quite a bit as well aren't they since what they did years ago I mean Mm -hmm. I personally use styling which the app itself is so easy to use it's so modern it's just all there it gives you statistics Mm -hmm. everything's really quick and easy it's easy to log into it's easy to log out from um i mean there's tons in there of really good ones but is it anything that you would advise when it comes to finding a bank account i think
2: it will depend on the business structure as well i think generally sole traders and, and limited companies, actually, that I've got, because I'm a Tide um, bank partner, so oh, very, yeah. similar to the account that you use. And what they're part of a group of bank accounts that are now called challenger banks because, you know, they're challenging how the high street bank operates. They're mm-hmm. offering business accounts with no fixed uh, monthly fees yeah. and you can set it up within a few minutes of using an app and taking a photo of your face looking left right and up and all of that yeah
0: yeah cool. and then I think I think with ours we have to talk as well don't really? we like
1: <laughs> yeah you have to like hold your face in a certain position and go my name is Shelby Holmes and send it off.
2: so I think because it's it is a lot easier to to access these challenger banks so there's almost no excuse not to have you know the business set up um but yes so as I said I am a a Tide partner so I do obviously refer people to Tide but then there's Tide Monzo and Styling they're all very very similar and they're all part of that same kind of group yeah Yeah.
0: I mean we've always banked with Santander Mm -hmm. um my husband's still got a limited bank account with Santander and I keep saying to him why are you paying them the privilege of them having your money Mm. you know just change he's absolutely terrified because it's something new and he's setting his ways yeah and i'm like let me just set you up let me just set you up an account it'll take 10 minutes just move your money yeah you know it like we, hard. Were paying, we were paying seven pound fifty a month weren't we Shelby, for our business account yeah um with santander and then i was like actually don't seem a lot but it is a lot for mm. you are not to do much. And <laughs> if I found hundred pound on floor, I'd feel rich. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change. Yeah. <laughs> the one good thing I find as well from these type of mod, what I think to me, I class as a modern bank, um, and these apps is when clients pay by bank transfer, we instantly get like a ka yeah so we've had instances in the past and we have spoke about this on one of our previous episodes where somebody had said oh i've paid but actually she knew she hadn't paid by bank transfer and mm-hmm. we didn't know because we'd have had to log on to the old yeah. banking system um but it just stops that as well it just pings up and it says you know, £45 from Shelby Holmes. And I go, oh, I've got it, thank you. And I know it's there. Yeah,
2: and it really motivates you as well, doesn't it? So it keeps yeah. kind of going as well. So I think the apps are great and and the way that you can just click on and see what's happening. I think as well with most of them, you can set up different pockets and um, sort of different accounts as well. And you can do that within the app. And it's just it's so yeah. much better than having to apply and wait weeks with like a yeah. week bank and so when I first set up my Tide account literally within five minutes I would set up an account for tax savings
1: wages profit you know yeah <laughs> and we got, got we've got pots for um mm-hmm. like the rent on the salon so although we pay the rent monthly we save weekly because we yeah. take our wages weekly so I put mine aside mum does the same on her bank account we've then got ones for like um our booking system has like a fee at the end of the month as well, yeah. And it also takes a percent of the transactions, so we put money away ready for that bill to come through. Yeah, it just makes life so much easier, and you know actually how much is left there for you to take your wage.
2: Yeah, definitely. But... Um, sorry, go on. No, no. So I was going to say, I definitely think business bank account is is the way forward.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're all in agreement. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so I'm gonna go back a little bit now. Um if you're new to the industry, at what point do you sort of even think about your accounts?
2: Okay, so as soon as you get started, um even when you're starting to buy your stock and everything, you need to start tracking all the money that you're spending. because um, that will form part of your accounts. So whether you register or not, because I'll, I'll talk about the the threshold to register in a moment as well, you still need to be keeping your your accounts and documenting the money that's coming in and going out. Um, now something that was introduced was the traders allowance, which is a thousand pounds. So now, if you don't make a thousand pounds, um, within the tax year, you don't need to submit a tax return. So if this is your first year and you know the income is below a thousand, you don't have to register and do the tax return however if you use the trader's allowance you can't get any tax relief for the expenses you've made and usually in the first year that's when you buy the most stock and you know you've got the largest amount of expenses so I see a lot on the forums and things Everyone saying don't worry don't register you know you haven't made a thousand but actually it's one of those things that you do need to to think about or speak to somebody about because if you've come from employment and you're got setting up as a sole trader and you've got a loss that you can offset, you could generate a repayment of tax against tax you've paid through your employment. So oh, right. you know, but without the knowledge and and expertise you wouldn't know that you'd you'd see everyone saying on Facebook or wherever it's okay you know you haven't made a thousand pound don't worry about it sort it out next year but it's not always the most beneficial way to do it so although you don't have to register you know within that first year if, if you haven't made the thousand sometimes it may be beneficial for you to register and to get those expenses and that loss on your record but also when you set up your sole trade business so when I say register it's by going online to gov.uk and you can register as a sole trader that way um even if you feel that you don't need to register sometimes you may need to do it to prove income and um, you know whether it's for I think it's um, tax credits and things like that um or if you want to make voluntary contributions for your class two national insurance So. When you're employed, you will pay national insurance and that contributes, you know, to your national insurance record and your pension when you're at retirement age, state pension. But when you're not employed, you're not making those contributions. So you may have gaps in your national insurance record. So then, you know, it may be worth registering so that you can do that as well. So don't always rely on that £1,000 trader's allowance. Do think about it if you're just starting out and you've been told that you don't need to register yet otherwise you know, oh, sorry go I'm on sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah because like it can be such a big expense when you're first starting so like we did our garage conversion and I think it was like eight thousand pound or something yeah um you know we had to buy all the stock all the desks all the chairs all the furnishing all the pain all the the converting <laughs> yeah it, literally everything so if you if you've read that advice and somebody said oh don't worry yeah but actually you know you've only taken a thousand pound but it means you can either carry forward the seven thousand pounds to the following year which will come off the amount of tax or claim something for it then you are obviously better doing that
2: yeah and then i think so so that's just the the traders allowance side of it but for new businesses that are setting up you do have to register by the 5th of October in the second year. So that's the official guideline. Um, So in your second tax year, and you can be fined if you don't. Um, So, but then again, if in your second year, you you don't make that thousand and, you know, you can contact HMRC and explain that you're within that thousand pound threshold if you haven't got any expenses to offset and then they'll update your record as well. So 5th of October, in this second tax year is the date to remember, but the thousand pound traders allowance is the thing to question.
0: Yeah, right. And if anybody's listening and they don't know when the tax year runs to and from, um, obviously that will be different if you're a limited company. Um, but like for a sole trader, what are the the key dates?
2: So it's the sixth of April to the fifth of April. Yeah, so that's the tax year, and then most people. I guess uh, they'll probably do this because they don't know any different, but when they're setting up, they'll set up their accounting period, their accounting year to match the tax year, which is absolutely fine. But then there are, as you mentioned, with limited company, the accounting period is is different. Although the tax is calculated based on the tax years, the period of your account, if you run from, say, January to December, that's the year that you kind of um, track your income and expenses. But sole traders can do that as well. So it's something called opening and closing year rules. Um, it's a bit technical to go into one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Me and Shelby's eyes are getting really wide. But yeah,
2: so the 5th of April is always the date that everyone remembers because that's like the end. Um, yeah. So that's that's the one to, to remember.
0: And when do them accounts then need to be submitted and paid by...
2: So the accounts have to be submitted by the 31st of January following the tax end of the tax year. And that's when the tax payment has to be made as well. However, when this is a deadline for the tax returns too, but I do, I try and encourage people to submit. There's no reason if you've got good sort of like online processes and, and things, there's no reason why your tax return can't be submitted by the end of April in this industry. Um, I know for some businesses, they may be waiting on things, you know, so they can finalize their accounts and everything. But yeah. generally, if you're tracking your income on a booking system, and say if you've got something like Receipt Bank, or even if you've got your manual receipts, you sh- you know your data's there and ready to send in, and then that gives you all that time to save or pay for your tax payment rather than yeah. submitting in December and having just you know a few weeks left to pay it
0: yeah um and panicking where you're going to get that money from
2: yeah but if,
0: if, <laughs> if you have not budgeted
2: yeah it's really important to to try and submit as soon as possible and I think as well because if you leave it sometimes you know you can forget and then yeah. if, if your tax return's late you get issued with a hundred pound penalty straight away and that's yeah. you know that's quite a, a big amount of money to pay just for forgetting to submit yeah. it not because you can't do it or you haven't got the information um you know so and then that penalty will then increase like the the later the tax return is
0: yeah so i'm just going to put this out there for the podcast listeners that it's now what the 20th 21st of october <laughs> no right. say who's done their accounts for <laughs> this year's year for a uh, year ending what 5th of april yeah mm. Twenty. Who's done their accounts? Me? Not me.
2: Oh, I've actually <laughs> got a confession. I haven't done mine. <laughs> <laughs> Practice what you oh. preach. Oh, no. I sat here and thought, have I done mine? Mine, because I'm now a limited company. I don't really. I don't have much to um to mess about with on the tax return anyway. And I do, also, I do actually have somebody that helps with my bookkeeping because I'm too busy working on everyone else's. Um, but I am, that's something I'm going to get onto.: as Well, as I, get well on. I
0: hope after this <laughs> conversation, the both of you leave this conversation and think, actually, yeah, that was food for thought. I'm going to do my account.
1: <laughs> my accountant always says to me, do not leave it until January because the website will be crashing. Yeah. That's what she always tells me. If you wait till that week like you don't know what might happen everyone's trying to do the same thing everyone's panicking who's left it till last minute the website won't load you miss a deadline you've got yourself a fine I'm like oh god
0: more yeah
2: push. yeah Just, and my yeah. husband as well he's um sole trader and when I worked at Deloitte we we'd have like um sort of like a tax drive so tax season was manic it'd be like six days a week working until 10 o'clock at night from early morning trying to get everyone's tax returns process and I would literally come home January 31st at 10 o'clock at night and have to do my husband's return because I was too busy this is when I was employed because I was just too busy obviously doing everyone else's um but yeah we really don't want to you don't want to fall into that trap no. Um
0: I'm I feel right proud, Satya. <laughs> like, I've done mine, I know what I have to pay come thirty first of January. Um, but yeah, it just it, it just relieves takes off the pressure, doesn't it, if you can be a little bit organised and just sort of have a little bit of a plan as yeah. to what you're doing.
2: I think there are so if you've got a limited company. There is a bit more pressure because you'll have to wait for you know your year-end accounts and dividends and things like that. So that's yeah. that's my excuse for my delay. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, but if you if you know if it, if you're a sole trader and you've generally just got that one source of income, um, maybe there might be property income as well. They're all things that you know you can tie up quite quickly, and it's always worth just getting it done. It feels good as well knowing that it's, it's, it does. Yeah, it yeah. does.
0: It does if you're a bit of a. I don't know, control freak like I am. I think <laughs> a bit of a perfectionist. I like I like things to be done and in order and yeah, a bit of a Mrs. Hinch. I think I clearly <laughs> took after my dad, not my mum.
1: <laughs> oh. So, would you mind explaining the difference between the terms your turnover, gross profit, and your net profit, please?
2: Okay, I will. And I, I hope this isn't really really boring because it's quite a quick answer um so turnover essentially is your total income or revenue um turnover is really really important so that's all the money from sales whether it's like products or if you're renting space out um or doing treatments and things if you're training because I know like in the industry there's a lot of different streams of income as well and yeah. if you've got that all under your sole trade business that will all count towards your total turnover and it's really important to know that even if you've got these different streams of income, all of that income will count towards your VAT threshold as well. So that's really important to know for turnover. So if your complete turnover is 85000 five thousand or above, then as I said before, you need to register. Um, just mention that because I know there are a lot of people who have got you know their training academies yeah. um, and things as well, and they some people believe that the turnover is separate. So you know their beauty. Treatment turnover is treated separate to their academy turnover. But if you're a sole trader, it will all come together for the purpose of VAT. So it's just something to be aware of. Um, Gross profit is, so essentially when, you know, when we're talking about expenses, there's different types of expenses. So you've got your general expenditure and overheads, and then you've got your cost of sales as well, purchases and yeah. gross profit is the amount after you've deducted your cost of sales so not after you have deducted you know like rent and things like that it's cost of sales are the items that are used up in your service so you know your gel polishes or the things that you could not live without to perform your treatment um so they'll fall under your cost of sales so turnover less cost of sales is then your gross profit But the most common, you know, I guess, benchmark that everyone will be looking at is the net profit, because then this is the profit that remains after your expenses as well. So I don't know if I've totally confused everyone. Um,
0: No, I think I'm with you. I'm with you. So you almost have turnover at the top. So all your money that you've taken, every pound, every every penny. And one thing I was going to mention, in your turnover, do you have to count your tips? Oh, <laughs> sorry.
2: <laughs> no, I hate this question because, only because it's so disappointing, the answer um, for the industry. And I know I know a lot of people don't realise, but tips are a form of income, taxable income. So, and there's different rules though. So do have a look. Um, gov.uk have got the... A good explanation about tips and how to treat them depending on the arrangement in the salon so there's different rules on how the tips are passed to you whether it's from straight from the customer to you or if you're working like if you're employed and it's coming from the salon owner or if the salon owner decides how to split the tip so right. there's quite a lot and I've, I've written an article on that before
0: um oh that's interesting where could we yeah
2: i can, I can send the pdf across to you and then you could share yeah. it um but it'd be we'll really- share
1: it on our facebook group probably that's probably the best yeah, place be to do it yeah uh, with yeah. it being a pdf so it's the beauty edit podcast society on facebook that you can okay. find us
0: Yeah. Maybe I might just say to my clients, um, I can't accept cash, but I can accept chocolate gin (laughs) (laughs) tips in the
2: form of gifts. (laughs) I wasn't sure what you was going to say then. I was going to be like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. But, yeah, tips, it is a – I was asked that before. I'm asked it quite a lot, and it it does sound – it sounds quite harsh, doesn't it, really? Because sometimes it's only a pound or so here and there. Um. But it, it does add up and, and you should be recording tips as Yeah,
0: well. I mean, I understand you should be recording it, but yeah. it is a little bit unfair because I see it as a gift. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, is it yeah, not a gift? It's strange, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's
2: difficult. And then also if you're employed and you're working in a salon and you receive the tip, then it's usually your responsibility to contact HMRC and then they can factor something into your PAYE code to make sure that you're paying the right tax, essentially.
1: (laughs) Can I ask as well, when it comes to um, being a sole trader or a limited company or self-employed in general and you wanting to get your first ever mortgage, what is it that the mortgage companies will take into consideration? I don't know if this is a question for you or whether this is something I should be asking a mortgage company. (laughs) Yeah, But I just wondered, is it like your turnover or your net profit that they want to know? It really
2: depends on the lender. And they'll look at different lenders have different requirements. So sometimes I'll have a request and I don't know, the, the mortgage lender, they'll want to know about net turnover. Sometimes they'll specifically, um, net profit, sorry. Sometimes they'll specifically ask about gross profit and it varies between lenders. But what the, the most common thing between all of them is that you'll need your SA302 or online tax calculation. And then yeah. that will clearly show everything. Um, if you've submitted your tax return through HMRC online, if your accountant has submitted your tax return through a software that they use, then your accountant will be able to provide the tax calculation. But the the figures and what they assess, whether it's one year to three years, um, you know, if they need a guarantee or, or guarantor, sorry, you'll, you know, that's something the lender, it varies between lenders.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Um, So just going back to like getting a wage now. So we actually want to make some money and take the money and take a wage would you recommend taking say like a set amount per week a set amount per month what if you're in the early stages so you from month to month it might change what would you recommend to be able to budget yourself
2: I think this is one of my favorite parts of um what I do Uh, so cash flow is something I'm really really passionate about cash flow forecasting and I think in the early days, or even when you're established, it's a really good way to see how much you can afford to take out the business, but also to set like if you if you know that you need to take a thousand pound a month or two thousand a month to set that in your cash flow forecast, and then you can plan your marketing and sales around it and hit those goals. So when I when I talk about cash flow, and I can um, share a template with you guys if you want. Um, oh, yes. yeah it's just a simple excel sort of spreadsheet and you literally plug in all your sales for the month and all your outgoings and this can be done weekly as well so if you want to take a weekly wage it's a good way to work out how much money you can take um i prefer to use this rather than sort of sticking to a percentage because sales will vary and so will purchases um so essentially you'd plug in your expected sales which you can see from your booking systems if you've got people booking in advance yeah Um then you plug in your expenses for that week or month and then at the end it will show you the cash that is actually available and realistically that's the cash for a sole trader that you can pay yourself now in the early days, that might be coming up short, and you may have to have, you know, rely on whether it's your partner or have other sources of finance. Whether you're starting it while you're working part time somewhere else, um. But as you're more established, you can use this cash flow forecast to start sort of planning your months and making sure you're hitting that target level. So you're hitting that two thousand take home a month, and yeah. the way you can do that on the spreadsheet, if you plan say three months ahead. You can plug in the appointments that you think you're going to get with, you know, your regulars that you know are going to come back and then it will help you to see where any gaps are. So it might be showing cash available at the end of next month, £800, but you need it to be 1000 So, you know, you've got four weeks to try and get that extra £200 in and it will help you with your marketing strategy and what posts to put on Facebook and what services, you know, your higher price services to fill that gap.
0: Yeah it really does make sense you know mm. I mean I bet there's so many people and where I'm guilty I'm speaking for myself here Shelby but it's almost like the blind leading the blind mm. you go to work you've maybe got gaps and white spaces in your diary with everything that's going on at the moment or you might be fully booked because this is what we found we've had absolutely chocker block weeks mm. and then some really absolute terrible dead quiet weeks it's just so unpredictable yeah. but we just throw everything into our business accounts have a look how much is in there decide how much we want to pay ourselves yeah. and haven't really accounted for anything do you, yeah. know, do you know what I, I mean and like, with everything that you're saying it just makes such good business sense
2: yeah and it's so much it's it's easy to do once you're set up um, I think setting up a cash flow forecast on a spreadsheet it might take a few hours um you know because you'll have to go through everything because for it to be meaningful you need to make sure it's accurate and got all the income and expenses as you know it um There are some tools available, so I use an online um a tool called Flow, which is absolutely amazing and it helps to plan your cash flow at the click of a button, you know links to QuickBooks and things like that, so you're not having to plug in figures manually. Into a spreadsheet. So there are tools out there to help you. But it's also, I always think of there's so much more to accounting than just bookkeeping and compliance. So that's just, you know, submitting tax returns. It's all about um, strategy as well. You should have a business plan that you can sort of measure against your cash flow forecast or your business performance. And if you get to understand your business finances, even where you just said there you know some days you'll have busy months and then quiet months if you analyze that across a year or across two years you'll be able to identify the peaks and pits and see the yeah. trends. and then that gives you the advantage of being able to plan ahead like I know usually this time of year it starts to get a bit quiet I know it's quiet now because because of what yeah. happened, yeah. but generally beauty does have those peaks and yeah. rules you know Christmas is usually manic then it'll slow down and then you've got your valentine's day mother's day and then it slows and then summer you know so we we know the peaks we know when they're going to come but it's just about planning and it's about planning your sales your marketing as well as your take-home pay because it all links in together
0: yeah Yeah. we've really made a focus with everything that's going on on retailing yeah um, to obviously boost you know if we're not getting what we say bums on seats um we've really pushed that and had an episode um with Katie Millington about boosting your retail sales. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's things you you know that obviously October is always quiet. It has been.
1: We always know that August and even into September can be busy because there's still late holidays to like the canaries yeah. and then October goes quiet beginning in November and then the Christmas do start by the end of November. That sees you through to the end of December to the new year and then January, February. Oh <laughs>
0: <January. laughs> you just hope that you've sold enough gift vouchers. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, but even with the gift vouchers as well, that can all be planned um into your cash flow as well because sometimes, you know, if you could sell lots of vouchers, say through to Christmas and then January sometimes even if you've got all those gift vouchers booking in again, you're not actually getting the cash because you've already yeah. had it. Yeah. But well,
0: we, we have a little bit of a system with that, don't we? Because we always felt that we every time we sold a gift voucher, yeah, it was brilliant. It went into the bank and, and we saw like a boost. But then when we did the treatment, we felt like we were doing them for free, which yeah. it sounds silly. So what we actually do is we put away money from the gift vouchers. Yeah. So like in our
1: like bank accounts we put it into like a pot. Yeah. for vouchers <laughs> and then when we actually carry out that treatment we take the money product. back from the pot <laughs> to the normal bank account and that's just so that we feel like we've been paid. Yeah. And that's that's
2: the best way to do it and that's that is cash flow management as well. So it is kind of managing the cash and knowing when it's available and how long it needs to last because you know that you're going to have the drop Until they come in, and yeah, you'll put it back in to replenish. So yeah, that's really, really good, and that's what I think a lot, a lot of. Well, I think all businesses should be doing, and that's how they should be managing their gift vouchers. And also looking at there could be like restrictions on days that some gift vouchers are redeemed, or just planning the number of vouchers you're selling. Because it is great to sell, sell lots. Obviously, it's money coming in, but just to make sure you're planning how it's going to impact the business long term as well but that's something you
0: guys are doing anyway. Hey, we've
1: got a a thumbs up. (laughs) We're doing doing something right. right. (laughs) So I've got two remaining questions for you. So one of them is, can you tell us what the difference is between a sole trader and a limited company?
2: Yes, I can briefly. I have got a blog on this as well. If anyone wants to, I can share it with you after. Um, But essentially, so a limited company, the main focus that a lot of people have when they, you know, incorporate is, well, there's two, the tax savings, which are not as great as they used to be, sadly, um, and the limited liability factor, which means that the business is separate to the individual. So if there's any claims or anything or any creditors, the bills, you know, that, need to be paid and things the liability falls on the company and personal assets are safe to some extent though because hmrc can waive the veil of incorporation if there's been anything that's well anything dodgy essentially um and they can waive that kind of protection so it doesn't mean that if you set up a limited company you can be really dodgy and get away with it because it won't stand for nothing you know if, if you're not doing the right thing um The other difference as well is with a limited company, there's a different rate of tax. So for a sole trader, you pay tax, it starts at the 20% and goes up and 40% and above. And you are taxed on all the income. So even if you don't take that money, you know, we were saying about taking a wage for yourself. Even if you don't take that money physically yourself, you still will have to pay tax on it. So because you're taxed on all the profit, yeah, In the limited company, there's two sort of elements to it. So the company will will be taxed on its profit and it's taxed at 19%, but there's no upper threshold. So it's like the flat rate of 19%. So you're making a bit of a saving anyway. Um, another thing as well is if you pay yourself, say if you pay yourself through payroll um, as a director of a limited company, that is seen as an expense. So it actually reduces the profit um, that's chargeable to tax as well. won't go into too much technical (laughs) with it but the the tax savings you can as a director you can draw dividends from a company and they start at 7.5 percent tax which again is better than you know personal tax Um, some of the other reasons that they they took us obviously when we're Training in accounts, it seems to be more professional, maybe if you're a limited company, some people will only work with or deal with or buy from a, a limited company. And one of the other points as well is that the admin is, is a lot, it's a lot more detailed for a limited company. So with a sole trader, you can have your, you know, your bank statements or your receipts, and then you plug in your income and expense on HMRC. And that's it. That's your accounts done and you kind of as long as you keep your records for hmrc it doesn't matter what format they're in as long as you've got records but for a limited company you have to prepare accounts to reporting standards and there's different rules and so that adds on to like the admin burden you also need to submit your tax return to hmrc as well as accounts to companies house so again that's increased paperwork um, and it can be increased, it will be increased uh, accountancy fees as well. And then on top of that, you have confirmation statements that you need to submit annually to company's house as well. So it's a lot more paperwork. Um, but often the additional fees, you know, accountancy fees can be offset if you have the right structure, whereby you've got enough profits for dividends and things as well.
0: Ria, is there a certain stage in your career? So you're a sole trader and you're doing really, really well. Is there a threshold that you would say, right, once you sort of reach this sorry, threshold, it, it's better for you to swap, to be a limited, to be able to gain the advantages? The advantages?
2: So I, I spoke about this. I've done a, there's a video with Biosculpture um, on the tax journey and... I always feel that if you're starting to, because anyone can incorporate, you can start your company straight away before you've earned anything. Um, There's no right or wrong way to do it. It will depend on how you're going to be taking money from the company. So if you're someone that withdraws all the money from the company, or if you're going to be on payroll, and I don't know, maybe there's a car through the company or your phone, it depends on your structure. But essentially, if you're a sole trader, and you haven't thought about it and you're starting to hit 30, 35,000, it's worth doing a comparison or asking an accountant to do a comparison to see if you'll be better off. Because it, it does depend on your behavior as well as a business owner on how you take money out. Um, right. you know, so the more money that you leave in a limited company, you're only getting taxed 19% on those profits. So you can take a tax efficient salary and not pay sort of income tax on on the salary up to 12,500 at the moment, and then pay less on your dividends. dividends. But yeah, so it really depends. And I know it's not the best answer. But if, if you don't really know how you're going to be taking money and and all the rest of it, and you're just thinking of a general kind of overview, I would say as soon as you're starting to hit sort of 50,000 or those higher tax brackets, then you'd yeah. be thinking of incorporating because you'll make savings yeah. on, on the tax straight away.
1: Yeah. But I just and didn't want
2: to give that as a you know a complete answer because there may be people who aren't earning yeah. 50000 that would be better off being in a limited company. It just depends.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's just worth having that conversation if you have got an accountant, yeah. having that conversation with your accountant and just saying, am I better? Which, which option is better for me? Um, yeah. But at least... Anybody listening will think, well, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe that's me. Maybe yeah. I should be looking into this. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: And the other thing I, um accounting sorry, it's something that accountants can do as well. I often get asked, um, you know, after we've a, a tax returns gone in, sometimes my clients will say, Can I have a comparison now? Um, and it's literally you know, we'll I'll put the two different scenarios. So this is how much tax you're paying as a sole trader, based on the last year we just done, had you have been limited company, this is what it would have been like, or you can do it before, you know, obviously the end of the tax year, depending what sort of level of service you've got with your accountant and planning, and they can help guide you on that.
0: Yeah, I think one of the other things that we've not really touched on, I know we've touched on VAT and that the threshold is 85 It is. Is it 85,000?
2: Yeah, 85,000.
0: I think a lot of people think once you then go over 85, so 86, you just pay VAT on that £1,000. I don't think. Am I right in thinking you pay it on the full amount?
2: So you won't, you don't pay it on the, so say if the last 12 months I'd earned 85,000. So today marks the day I hit 85. Yeah. I would then need to register for VAT within 30 days and then after I get my registration number, so in the next month, I would have to start charging VAT from that point onwards. Right. So then it's on all of your sales from that point onwards. Where um, some people are going wrong is they're exceeding the 85 and not realising until maybe 10 months later So they've got 10 months worth of sales that they need to charge 20% VAT on and and pay for MRC. So you don't you don't hit 85 and then you've got twenty percent of eighty-five thousand to pay, that's when it starts. So your your VAT registration will start then. Right, yeah, that makes sense. There's um there are flat rates and things available as well, which again a lot of people aren't, you know, really familiar with. And it the flat rate for the beauty industry at the moment is 13%. So sometimes it may be beneficial to actually go on a flat rate or VAT instead of standard rate, but there are a few things to consider. But it's just something that, you know, if if someone's listening and, and they are hitting the VAT threshold and, you know, people panic and worry because it is it's, it's such a big change, especially in, in this industry because it's service-led, it's, it's hard. There isn't much input VAT to offset to reduce your VAT bill. Um, yeah. but there are flat rates and things available. So just to, you know, look at your options before you panic and just don't kind of bury your head in the sand. That's the absolute worst thing to do. Um yeah. because the penalties can put people out of business, you know, just by not signing up at the right time.
1: Yeah. So to finish this um podcast episode, could you give us one final piece of advice to our listeners um about accounting, please? Don't be anything <laughs> at all. You're like no, <laughs> more. <laughs> no, um, honestly, just
2: don't be scared of your bookkeeping and accounts. Um, I'm seeing a lot of things can be avoided um, if you can remove some of that anxiety. So just literally get a process set up that works for you to record your income and expenses, and you're halfway there and and yeah don't, don't be afraid of it there's so much support out there like I try and share as much as I can on my website and Instagram but gov.uk have got you know so many so much useful resources that you can do the research it is all there it just does take a bit of time which is why it may be best to speak with someone like me
0: yeah, yeah. And if anybody wants to find you or read any of like your blog posts and things like that. Where should they go?
2: So my blog is on the website, and that's www.riajaneaccounts.co.uk. And then I've got my Instagram. So I'm most active on on Instagram out of the other social media channels I've got, and that is Ria R I A underscore Jane J A I N E underscore Accounting for Beauty. The
0: name. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for sparing your time um, to record this episode with us. I think people, it is a bit of a mind these accounts, but hopefully, even if somebody just takes away just a little bit and it makes them go and ask a question or maybe, you know, sign up and get an account and or maybe change the bank accounts or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they might just find it a little bit useful and take, like you say, that anxiety away.
2: Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me on as well. And I think um, with everything that's going on at, at the moment, one one point that I think would be really useful is the cash flow forecasting because that's going to help a lot of businesses
0: when they're in recovery and whilst in survival mode as well thank you so much for listening to this episode if you've enjoyed our podcast please leave us a review and subscribe
1: we would love to connect with you on social media you can follow us on instagram at the beauty edit podcast or join our facebook group the beauty edit podcast society
0: Thank you so much again and please do look out for another episode of the Beauty Edit podcast.